Hey everyone, how's it going? It is Wednesday, May 6th, and welcome to MJAC Conversations. This is our weekly podcast where we just like open up about the sermon on Sunday and talk about how we're doing with this unprecedented time of quarantine and how our lives are going. And yeah, I'm really glad to be here today. This is Tristan Norton speaking, aka T Bone, aka T Dog. I got a lot of names. Pastor T. Pastor, Pastor T. T. Way too many names to remember. And I'm here with two very cool people today. I have Rachel Reynolds with us and Carly Pagans. So as we open up this afternoon, how are you guys doing? Like, how are you doing? It's week seven? Week seven? It's week seven. Like day, day 49. Home? Day 49. Oh, you're counting the, day. you're counting days. the days. Girl. <laughs> how are you guys doing with all this? Well, Carly, I'm curious about what's, we haven't had you on before. What's your, what's your day, day job look like these days? Uh, I have two day jobs. Okay. Yeah. So I was supposed to transition my day job. Uh, my last day at health was meant to be March 31st and my first day at Briarcrest, April 1. And then a pandemic hit. So, Stupid. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I stayed on, um, in a, in a little bit less of a capacity, I guess, to help support my team and transition. Uh, it felt like you're kind of bailing, you know, if you leave in the middle of a pandemic. So I'm trying to wrap up there. Um, and then uh, working a few days a week for Briarcrest as well. So nice. I'm working a bit more than normal, I'd say, which is yeah. a bit weird uh, in this time. But, yeah, because um, yeah, so many people are home and working less. Yeah. They have less to do, more time to post to Facebook and yeah. experiment with sourdough bread. And you're like, you know, I, I was uh, wondering when that would come up today. <laughs> I worked 11 and a half hours yesterday and then I baked a loaf of sour bread. Oh, how did it turn out? It was my second loaf. I saw the first day I I made, I started that batch. Ange gave me a recipe. Yeah. uh, And partway through, I was like, this is not going well. (laughs) So I ditched that and Googled easy sourdough recipes. That one was awesome. This one sat overnight in the fridge. Tasted wonderful, but didn't rise so well. So, but it tasted, I definitely ate half a a loaf of sour bread today. So it tasted really good. You were like, that was, that was, that was worth trying again. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're working lots, trying out new recipes. Yeah. Trying to, trying to garden in between as a stress buster. So. Yes. I have seen pictures of your gardens looking quite well. Yeah. I've got an indoor uh, greenhouse going on. So. Nice. Oh, super cool. Yeah. Nice. What kind of health do you work in? I work for an area called Primary Health. Uh, so it's typically I work with like oversee a team that works with families um, uh, who are just kind of struggling with different things. But um, when uh, when it, when the pandemic hit, everyone's jobs look a little bit different. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of doing a little bit of a few different things as well yeah. as trying to onboard uh, the person who who got my job, which has also been mm-hmm. hard. Like we keep setting times yeah. and you know in COVID life just looks different and things come up so mm-hmm. are you finding it pretty hard to stay connected with the people you work with or yeah so we finally passed over my team to her so that's made it a bit easier because it's it was it was hard to connect and you just constantly feel like you're not supporting them as much as you would like mm-hmm. to right there's that place of it's stressful for everyone and people need that support and when you're pulled in too many different areas you can't do you know any job as well as you'd like to so yeah so not connected as well there although um you know, at Briarcrest, being able to connect right away there has been yeah. really nice. So it's been super life-giving there. Yeah. Yeah. Are you looking forward to just being there full-time? Yeah, I am. I'm looking okay. forward to working 40 hours a week. Nice. And having, like, every weekend <laughs> off. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes maybe taking a phone meeting in my garden or something. <laughs> What's your Briarcrest role? I am the new director of counseling and health services. So oh, really, really excited uh, to be back working with student development. It's an awesome team. So yeah, it's a pretty cool role. What's your school background that kind of got you into those fields? I have a master's in counseling and marriage okay. and family. So okay, 
Yep. So you're well qualified. Well, I don't know. They think so. <laughs> we, we all think so. You are. You're definitely qualified. So no, it'll be it'll be really good to be nice. just there. So. So Rachel. Week seven. How is it? Well, this week is the first time that my husband uh, had a work-related trip uh, since the pandemic. He traveled to a small uh, meeting of uh, area managers up in Waltheim, Saskatoon. And, um, you know, they practiced socially distanced meetings. But, of course, they're talking about reopening the province. It's a big conversation. Mm -hmm. And what it's going to look like for their homes to track with the phases that Scott Moe has kind of laid out. So um, I missed him, honestly. Like, Monday morning, he gets on the road, and then it's like 10.30, and I'm making my coffee, and I'm not making him coffee. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I miss my coworker. I hope this... I'm kind of hoping post-pandemic that he travels less and he does more yeah. stuff by Zoom, even though, as we've talked about before, the technology is a little bit cumbersome. It's not the same as meeting in person. Yeah, yeah. So even after six and a half weeks at home, 24 hours a day, you still missed him Monday morning. I miss that beard, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. It is a thing. It is a thing. Is a thing. Yeah. Oh, man. And... Nevin and Nora doing well this week? No. I'm going to say no. It's week seven of school from home. Um, I emailed the teachers yesterday and I said, look, give it to me straight. How close to the finish line are we? Like, can we be done? Like, can, can this be over now? <laughs> um, they, it, the school that they're getting, they're quite bright. They are working for about an hour a day. Yeah. And then they're done. The assignments that they've given, been given. Um, and so I'm saying to the teachers, can I just have all of June's material so my kids could work two hours a day mm. and be done at the end of May? I don't know if I should be saying this publicly because maybe other parents are going to rise up and be like, I also want to be done. That's fair. Uh, but like for, I feel especially bad for Nora because everything that she loves about school is taken away from her except yeah. for the schoolwork part. Yeah. She loves the friends. She loves band. She loves choir. She loves being outside at recess. Um, I think they even like, you know... Or at least benefit from biking back and forth to school yeah. and gym class. And they just, it's like they have office jobs mm-hmm. now. They're children with office jobs. Mm-hmm. They just sit at the table with a laptop all morning and then they go play video games all afternoon. And it's just not healthy for them. No. I'm ready to be done. Yeah. So, <laughs> so from what I'm hearing is this entire room, we're all at the point where we're just like, COVID can go away now. COVID can go away now. COVID can go. Okay. And And that's a wrap. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, yeah. And for those listeners out there, um, we want to hear your stories of how your weeks are going as well. So feel free to share those on our Facebook page or even message the office so we know exactly how everyone is doing during this time. But now, now we get to go to what I'm really excited about today. Rachel. How was preparing for last Sunday? Oh, man. Uh, well, you know, we said last week you, you prepare to preach and it preaches to you first. Um, I went into, like, I cho- I, that was the passage that I wanted. And so I asked the team, can I take that one from yeah. Ephesians? Because out of all the, out of the two series we, the, that we have, um, we've got these, these Ephesians messages and we've got the Alliance Deeper Life messages. 
And I don't have very much alliance experience in my background. So I was like, I don't really think it's a good fit for me to just be like, okay, I'm just going to cram in everything I need to know about A.B. Simpson to preach on Jesus Christ as sanctifier, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I took the Ephesians segment and I thought I was going to be preaching about mm. like our diversity yeah. among the body. And then when I really dug into the passage, I realized actually Paul's really trying to uh, emphasize the other aspect of that, the oneness of us. And um, uh, I've really struggled to know what to do with the institutional church. Mm. I love Jesus. There's no question in my mind. I, um, I, I value the filling of the Spirit so much and the interior work that he's doing in me like every season of my life. I love the Bible. I've always loved, like I've read it cover to cover, sort of ages 17 to 19. That's why I went to Bible college because I loved the Bible. And I remember getting to Bible college and looking around and being like, oh wow, all these people love the Bible too. That's why they're here. <laughs> Not so much. And then two months in, you're just like, oh. Okay, no, I am, I am still weird. <laughs> with the nerdy level with which I love this this ancient yeah, piece yeah. of literature, um, but the church has been a tough one for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, even growing up in the church, like um, there's been short seasons of my life that I haven't been a part of a church body, but al- almost always mm-hmm. I've had a church, but I almost never like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost, I almost never like come away feeling like, man, that was so. You know, encouraging and edifying built me up in my faith. It always has felt like this feels like it should be more or deeper or different. And I'm going to keep trying to engage this and bring my gifts, but I can't figure out why this isn't working the way that I feel like when Paul Mm -hmm. writes to the churches and the things that I see happening in Acts, I'm like, this, it feels like we're in a different thing. We're actually not doing this thing that I see happening in the Bible, and I don't know what to do with that. So it was it was wonderful to dig into that passage and just almost be re-evangelized yeah. to the goodness yeah. of the church. Mm-hmm. Like when I when I and just remember this is actually really simple. The church is really simple. Yeah, no, like, no use overcomplicating it. No, yeah. yeah, it's we're loving one another, mm-hmm. um, and we're bringing our gifts to build up the body. And people with gifts of the word are building up everyone else to to be able to build up one another. Yeah. And that, I mean, for some reason, it's so simple, but it just really hit me like, oh, I could get behind that. Mm-hmm. And actually, I feel like we're doing something that looks a lot like that right now. Yeah, we are for sure. And I know I listened to it and I wrote down uh, quite a few notes, which I don't usually do. So that was, that was really good. I have like a whole page, but... It's not really about what I think. I really kind of want to know what where you're at, Carly. I know you and I talked a little behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah, I think two so. things stood out. Maybe I'll, I'll start with kind of quickly, uh, more of a COVID-related tie-in to, to the message of, um, you know, I've really been struggling with patience in COVID, and I've just kind of written that off as, like, this is my COVID experience and trying to have uh, maybe a bit more grace with myself and, and know it's where I'm coming from. But, man, that passage just, like, kicked off and, and kind of kicked mm. me in the teeth. Like, it was mm. it was something I needed to hear and... Um, have reread and reread that passage uh, and going, I need to be humble and gentle and patient and bear with one another and just over and over telling myself that and going, yeah. I actually think that's the foundation of, of how, what we're, we're called to and then in, in the church as well, right? And what does that yes. look like? 
Um, you know, I think my church experience has been very different than yours. I didn't grow up in the church. Um, I think I had stepped in uh, foot into a church once before I uh, went to university for a funeral. Um, so really, I, I didn't grow up in the church, um, came to Christ, and um, had quite the conversion experience. And then I loved the church. Um, and until the past year and a half, uh, church has been one of my favorite things in, in, uh, in life. It's been, uh, I mean, I moved away from home when I was 17 and uh, moved up to Saskatchewan. And um, I have a wonderful family back home, but, but church has been my family away from family. Um, and it's been just a sanctuary for me. And, um, you know, we've had a bit of a tough, you know, year, year and a half here. And, um, and that, uh, that did change the way that I viewed church. Um, and, and I'll be honest, um, you know, again, time back into COVID, I will say, I don't think I'll ever take the church for granted again. Uh, there was time, a time probably six months ago where I was pretty seriously considering being done with you know, the church in general, just hurt and um, saying, this isn't what I don't, I don't think this is what the Bible says it's meant to be. And, and I don't think the church should be a place of hurt and, uh, and was just done. And, uh, I, you know, in COVID, uh, I've, re I've really missed people. Like, I just miss, like, Man, I miss like the Westage girls, and I miss yeah. like you know yeah. I I miss like the the kids like running around like you know I don't do kids ministry, but I miss the little ones, right? And I I miss holding holding Owen McLeod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still get to see him, but I don't get to hold him. Yeah, and the Verhan yeah. girls singing yeah. down the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or yeah, you know, Layton and Lilith and Jacqueline. And, right, like I just you know I I miss them. Uh, I miss them so much and I miss people and you know I was joking around actually with Corey with your wife uh, earlier and just you know we both of us when we go to coffee at the back not, wife, not my wife just to be sorry Tristan <laughs> you know we go to get coffee at the back and, and it's how quick you know how do you avoid you know just get coffee and get back and how it's like man I long for coffee time um, yeah. you know I've uh, I've struggled with um, I'm gonna admit this because it's we're all. I mean, everyone in here is very involved in recording, so I feel kind of like I should hide. But I've struggled with Sunday mornings uh, on the internet. To be honest, I actually haven't been able the last few weeks to listen live because it's just painful. I just miss people too much, yeah. and so I've actually had to listen while I'm in the garden or something else because it's just you know even I've I've loved the the Slido thing and connecting, but it's. Yeah. It's just been tough. And so... Yeah, because you, it, it drives home what it's not. I just... Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's just almost that, but, but not. it's just not exactly. at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I you know, come from this place of saying, I've loved the church. Yeah. I've been hurt recent, more recently, but COVID has been actually a really beautiful reminder of, no, this still is my family. Yeah. Like, this yeah. still is my church family. Man, do I, I love the church, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, as you're preaching, going, these actually are, the, you know, our children's ministry, or our youth ministry. We have seen people rise and serve mm -hmm. right. and be humble and gentle and patient in the midst of a tough season. Yeah. And going, actually, like, we are trying to be the church. We, yeah. we don't always do a great job, but I think we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. I really like something you just said, that we are, we're trying to be the church. We're trying to figure out. We're trying to think of things differently than what is, you know, the norm of what people would think church is. And it reminded me of like something that you said, Rachel, when you were preaching that the experience you have now was way different than the kind of complementarian Baptist view that you grew up in. Is that am I getting that right? I wrote it down. I may have yeah, written it around. The, yeah, you got the you got the labels right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I wanted you to just like kind of expand on how much that's changed for you, how much you're like sure. experiencing it differently, and like what does that look like now. Uh, yeah, sure. I think this, I, uh, one of the things that I value about my story is, um, my church growing up 
wasn't wasn't broken or um, abusive or or particularly dysfunctional. It was just pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, I. It was all you know, all men on the elders team and all men on the pastoral team, and um, uh, you know, a mix of hymns and then the youth pastor. My year as a youth group, the youth pastor brought a guitar on stage for the first time. We had a guitar in worship, but he wasn't allowed to stand on the main stage. He had to stand on the steps. He couldn't. He couldn't quite be up there with the pulpit and the chairs where the preaching pastors. Uh, so him and a couple other youth would be standing on the steps. Oh, man, that's rough. Yeah, uh, but gradually people came to really love that. Right? It yeah. was just. It's just slow to change, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so gradually that became like a really alive part of our of our worship services. Um, and I just, I just grew up in it, right? It's hard. It was hard to analyze at the time. Uh, I can remember though. Uh, so I, st- I would often have. I went to public school all, all through all my years, and I remember um, having a friend who came from quite a, a broken and a painful family background, and she started to come around my house, um, and she'd be hanging out at my kitchen table pretty much every day after school. Um, and having some meals with my family. And she said to me, like, I had no idea that families like this even existed. I thought it was only on TV. Mm-hmm. Like, where there's a mom and a dad, and they don't fight, mm-hmm. uh, but they love their kids. And and my mom was a had the luxury of being a, a full-time stay-at-home mom, and so she's cooking for us and just kind of paying attention to our lives. And uh, it was just like uh, my friend just soaked it up. Like it was water that she just was so thirsty for. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, me being a good Christian kid, I was like, well, you should come to church with me on Sunday morning. Um, and it wasn't until that moment that I realized there was a serious um, difference between the culture of my family life and the culture of my church on a Sunday morning. So my friend, out of trust for me, comes to church on a Sunday morning. And we're walking home from that experience from that service and I can vividly remember where we were on the street on on the way home because my heart broke I said well how was that for you how did church go and she just she kind of just shrank into herself and she said I just felt really guilty Mm. and I was just like oh like that's not at all the experience that I would want my Mm -hmm. friend to have like She's such a broken-hearted person already. Like, Trish doesn't need to, like, put more weight onto her. Well, I never invited her back, but I did certainly keep inviting her back to my family yeah. table. Um, and I can remember talking to my mom about that. And it was one of the rare times that I, A, remember word for word, or, like, very closely what my mom said, and B, I think my mom misstepped. Like, usually her advice is so wise to me. Yeah. I said I told her about my friend feeling guilty, and she said, "Well, I mean, you know, God wants to confront people about sin, Mm -hmm. so maybe that's just a natural response for someone to have when they come to church." (laughs) Um, really, like, I'm not sure if that is the response that people had encountering Jesus. Mm -hmm. Something happened that struck them and shook them, for sure. Yeah. Right, you see that in like uh, the woman who's dragged out of adultery and thrown at his feet, and mm-hmm. it's and he says, you know, go and sin no more. Yeah. Uh, but the, but before he says that, he says, um, like, I don't condemn you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was this this welcome and hospitality that people encountered in Jesus' ministry 
that then totally turned their lives around. It's like Matthew, the, uh, was it Matthew? It was Zacchaeus who like he encounters Jesus and his crazy hospitality and he throws a party for Jesus and he's so moved. He becomes so passionate about Jesus' character that he says, well, I'm going to return all the money I ever took from anybody, you know, and plus interest. Plus more, yeah. Yeah, and it didn't start with Jesus sort of going toe-to-toe to hit with him and being like, Zacchaeus, you've been, you've been wrong, you've been stealing from yeah. people, and you need to, you know, feel guilty about that and change your ways. That wasn't... So, man, I wrestled with that. Um, that... To me, that little experience like encapsulates my, my struggle with church because um, I often had friends on the margins who, who didn't know Jesus, who were drawn to the, my warmth or the warmth of my family. And I soon realized, actually, there I don't have a church that I can bring them to. Yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, there isn't a Sunday morning experience where they encounter that kind of hospitality. So I have, I mean, I can tell you more of that story, but I don't know if there's other things you want to no, talk I just, about. I just really like how you, how you painted that the view that a lot of people have of church is not exactly how it is all the time. And that we have to like try so much more now to break that stigma that like church is a bad place or I'm going to feel guilty if I walk through these doors. Hmm. And we have to start yes. living, living like what we see Jesus living like if we were called to be Christians, I feel like we we're called to live like he did the way he cared for the tax collectors he cared for the prostitutes and the way he showed them that he wasn't okay with their sin but he didn't hate them as a person and he never made them feel guilty for being there yeah and how and how do we do that as a Christian community that's um pretty homogenous like that that it's, it is uncomfortable to have people around who are different than us, mm-hmm. who are different def- different economically or different family background or have different beliefs than we do, yeah. Um, there, yeah. You, you as a as a group, we have to say, you know what, I'm I'm going to be okay with this discomfort. Yeah, yeah for real. Um, what about you, Carly? Like listening to what <laughs> we've been saying here, like. What was your experience with the church growing up? I know you said you didn't like... Yeah, I don't like... I mean, I didn't have a whole... Because I didn't have a face. So I didn't have a whole lot of like view of the church. I think both my parents had negative like experiencing encounters with the church. And so um, the only really... I remember I've got a formative memory as a youth um, where a bunch of friends and I were out on a Friday night um, not making wise choices out at... uh, There was a park by an elementary school. Uh, that we we're hanging out at and the youth group the local youth group came to like play games and they actually saw us there and they left and it was kind oh. of this place of like <laughs> wow awesome that's cool um you know and it was kind of this, like affirming of like i, I don't belong there and i'm not yeah. you know i'm not welcome mm-hmm. um and so you just you know these these things that you know i didn't again have a huge view of the church i just didn't have an interaction with the church so there was these underlying rumblings but man did that get highlighted when the youth group gets like shows up we're there and instead of inviting us to play they, they just leave like they change the whole plan because we're there um so it just was this like okay so you know i never f- really felt welcomed i had never been invited to church that was my one experience mmm-hmm. um you know and how did you end up in church then yeah i was gonna say how yeah did that i change? had uh, 
<laughs> so my, it was kind of interesting. So I, I grew up in Vancouver. Uh, I went to university in Vancouver, but my parents actually moved away from Vancouver right after I graduated. So I went to the local university. I went to Simon Fraser and um, I had planned to live at home, but they moved away. So I had to live in dorms and I was 17 and, uh, you know, it was newfound freedom. And I just made a lot of continuously really poor choices. Uh, up till then, I'd always played very competitive sports and was just very, very busy with sport. And I suddenly had uh, time on my hands and a lot of freedom. And I had student loan money, so that was lots of fun. I didn't understand that you should save that for school. Um, so I, I just really? made... Uh, Burning a, a hole in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I made a string of just poor choices. And uh, and I have a, some, some pretty clear moments kind of in those first few months where I remember being like... Okay, I am doing literally everything I'm, I should be doing to have like the most fun, fulfilling lifestyle ever. Why doesn't this feel good? Like, why do I wake up and just feel oh, wow. awful? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, I kind of was coming to this realization that this was not working. Plus, I was getting in trouble for that. I was 17. I thought you could get away with having like a large party in a dorm and just go under the radar, and that doesn't go well. So. <laughs> Not feeling good about myself, not feeling like this is the life, getting in trouble, going like, what am I doing? And um, I had made a really close uh, group of friends who, these girls on my hall, um, who didn't really party and didn't really make dumb choices. And um, one of them, Erica, had become like my best friend there. And uh, she was a Christian. She loved Jesus deeply um, and wasn't super religious. And so we just became really, really good friends. And mm-hmm. uh, We'd go out at night if, uh, you know, if I wasn't out, you know, doing whatever, she would just say, hey, like, do you want to go kick a soccer ball around? And I missed sports so much that I was so pumped to just go and, like, spend time and have, like, genuine, authentic conversation. And she just was real and authentic, and we just talked about life in really cool ways. And she didn't, uh, she didn't show up to preach, but I would ask her questions, like, well, like, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you deal with, like, being away from home and not having your parents? Or how do you deal with, like you know, this or that, and she just was honest, like, and, and faith was such a big part of her story that she talked about the ways that, like, Jesus, uh, you know, was her comfort, or, you know, like, that was her source of, of truth and light, and, um, you know, she didn't feel, like, lonely in the same ways, and she had this really cool community of church that she'd already, like, dug into that was, you know, she, she people knew her name, and they invited her out for lunch, and I just, it was so cool, and so she, uh, yeah, she just continued to kind of pour into me. It's a, I have a, it's a funny story actually. Then, so from then, I, I thought I was like just way too cool for church, um, <laughs> and I, I didn't want to like ask real faith questions. So I started googling like Bible verses, right? So you like Google like what what does the Bible say, and <laughs> you don't understand it, right? Because it's like you these things, and you're like, what does that mean? So I, uh, I, I would print I them off. Story. I would print them off, and there's there's two another group of us. There's two Christians, uh, Erica and Sandy, and. I would print off the Bible verses and I would slip them under their doors, actually, of their dorms. And then I'd wait for breakfast the next morning because they'd be like, where did that come from? And then they would talk about it, this verse, and I'd be like, oh, that's what it means. And so I'd be like, I learned about the Bible from putting Bible verses that I printed off under doors of Christians and then waited to listen to what they talked about at breakfast. And, wow. uh, and so finally, I, uh, I started coming to church with them a little bit, and uh, I just felt so welcomed by the church, right? Yeah. So I had such a wonderful experience with church. So what did that, how did you feel, experience that welcome? Oh, man, it's just like from day one, people, mm-hmm. I, 
I mean, I walked in and um, there's this couple like right in front of us that turned around. We went to the, the early service. And so how early services frequently work is there's like 10 people at the start. And then at the end, there's like 150, right? So we walk in uh, to Blue Mountain and there's like this family, you know, couple in front of us and a few others. And they just like embraced Erica, right? Like big hugs. And it's, it's like... I don't know, November, so they've not known each other for very long, mm-hmm. and uh, and just welcomed me in, had conversations. The youth pastor mm-hmm. would then start to come up into campus and visit us, so he'd bring coffee. Um, and just the thought for me of, like, someone who doesn't have to come visit me, like, is coming up to campus and buying us lunch or buying us coffee was so foreign to me. Like, yeah, my family did that, and that was great, and I, I, I loved that, but this person, like, didn't owe me anything and would choose to spend time with me. Like, I I just didn't have a framework for it, right? Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just felt so welcomed and cared for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that they didn't, they answered questions like honestly and authentically in ways that yeah. I hadn't seen. Um, I think even, I think authenticity is hospitality. Mm-hmm. Like when you ask someone a question Whoa. and they talk from their story and their life, you feel so welcomed in yep. and you feel so cared for and loved and all of those things that I think that's how I felt most welcomed was just by their authenticity in their in their. And Preach it, and that's what Holy, I was going to. That's yeah. fire. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because, from both your stories, you see God showing up in people's life by you guys being authentic and welcoming them in. Like Rachel, for you, your friend that you brought to your house, and yeah. Carly, those girls in school that were like, "All right, let's talk, let's hang out." Yeah. It didn't have to be in a church building, but you guys totally. were the church for these yeah. people, and they were the church yeah. in your life, Carly. Yeah. Well, it changed my life, right? I mean, I ended up at Briarcrest. It's, you know, like I, you know, want to do ministry like the rest of my life. And it, it was someone who played soccer with me who just like welcomed me in and did life with me, right? Yeah. And then the string of people that, that she introduced me to that did life with me, right? Like yeah. I, I still will go back and like listen, listen to sermons from my home church. And it's just that place of like I feel at home even listening to it because of the ways mm-hmm. that they treated me, mm-hmm. right? Wow. So I kind of want Rachel... Um, you to touch on this whole hospitality as the kind of the authenticity thing. I like what you do with your with your table group mm. and the community oh. that you have. Are you, you mind sharing a little bit about that? Or? Oh, I'd love to, Tristan. Uh, table, <laughs> I saw it in your eyes. So I was like, table <laughs> hospitality is like what basically what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life, and it's not a coincidence that the the early experiences that I had where I found my friends like opening up and really longing for um, what the what my family life had to offer offer which really was just Jesus loving kid and teenager loving parents that was all around my kitchen table mm-hmm. like that that um, I, I just think eating together and just the inf- the informality and the way that we open up and are relaxed when we eat together around a kitchen table is, um, so many people are just real hungry for that. So it actually started, um, uh, let's see, about 10 years ago, um, I had felt called to ministry. So actually in my early twenties, I felt called to ministry. I went to Briarcrest because of that ministry call and because I loved the Bible. Um, and I took youth ministry and studied that. And then I met Logan and, and we got married and, you know, we started having kids and, so, and also I felt, I, I struggled at Briarcrest because I felt, even even though my family really blessed and affirmed my leadership gifts and my voice, 
at Briarcrest, I really experienced a tension of like, oh, actually, there's a bunch of Christians in my evangelical tribe that don't want me to have this voice, don't mm-hmm. want me to be a pastor. And I, and I wasn't sure what to do with that. And so I just sort of shelved the idea that I was going to go into ministry um, and focused on, you know, being married and supporting the family. And, um, and then, you know, so funny, like about 10 years later, I was working part-time for Broadcrest. I was covering a mat leave and I bumped into uh, one of the profs who went to a church here in Moose Jaw. And he said, I really think you should become, you should apply it for my church is looking for a youth pastor. And I think you should apply. And I just looked at him like, like, what part of my event management role <laughs> made you think that I should be a youth pastor? That is youth ministry, <laughs> event planning. Yeah. Well, it makes more sense to me now. Uh, and I said, I said, like, did you know that I went to school for youth ministry? Like, I actually have a degree for this? And he, he was like, no, I had, I had no idea. Nice. It was so out of the blue that I just thought, maybe that was a God thing. I really well, had to give that some yeah. serious thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I stepped into ministry with uh two kids who were under five um and a husband who was at that time a stay-at-home dad with um logan has clinical depression and anxiety and at that time in our story he was still putting the pieces back together to be back at work um and so i was a full-time you know supporter of our family and uh, now working as a youth pastor. I was 32. Like, I felt like way too old to be a youth pastor and like the wrong gender and not cool. But what in it, what was funny was, I, it was like I found my place. I found my place where I could bring the gift that I had to the church. And I would be, I'm sort of off to the side of the church building in a way. Like, on, so on Friday nights, I would make a home cooked meal and kids would come and we'd sit around the table and have, there would be a a question around every meal and so everybody gets a chance to talk with one another and then we break and they'd run and they'd play games through the church play wide games and then we'd go into the youth room and sit on the comfy couches and drink our way too sugary coffee and hot chocolate <laughs> drinks and uh you know as they do and and have a conversation about uh about the bible about god and relationships in life and um and it and it tended to be pretty messy like there mm. there it could be it could be pretty kids could bring their negative feelings or their struggles or their questions um or their raw life experiences to that into that room and it was a safe place for them so uh, a couple kids came to Christ from that ministry that are still walking with me now as young adults um and I built up a team of youth leaders. It got to the point where I had as many young adults in my ministry who were there as leaders as I had kids. So it was mm-hmm. a small youth ministry. And I think that in part was uh, those those young adults were also drawn into this warm hospi- hospitality, this thing yeah. that the spirit was doing around the table as they're like you, Carly, at college, don't have a family. They're just looking for like a warm place to be. That's yeah. where they ended up. Um, but the so I did that for seven years, and and the difficulty became about year four or five. Um, I I found I couldn't make the connection between what was happening on Friday night and what was happening on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. We were back to this, you know, the culture that was that was so hospitable and authentic and and could be messy on a Friday night was creating waves with the older adults that were there on a Sunday morning and the other pastoral staff who had a particular way that they wanted things to happen on a Sunday. And the kinds of... So I would tend to draw in, like, churchy kids, deeply deeply churchy kids, 
and community kids. And it was this really neat dynamic on Friday where, for the first time, pastor's kids are getting to talk to kids who are not Christians mm-hmm. and hear what they think about God and the Bible. And like for both sides, it was very mm-hmm. enlivening. But then you get these community kids with um, you know, parents who don't know anything about the church. They don't know how to make their younger siblings behave. They don't... Um, I can remember one youth kid, her mom who I think has a mental health issue, dropped this kid off with her two younger siblings at church on a Sunday morning and drove away. So this 14-year-old girl who doesn't even live with her brothers, like they're deeply Mm -hmm. fractured family, they're just there. And so now her two brothers are just kind of running wild. They've never been to church in their life. There is no parent. So I'm kind of watching this go down. And so Logan and I kind of pull, and one of the brothers has, it looks like some kind of intellectual disorder as well. And they're like, be about age eight and age six. So we pulled them into the nursery, the one boy, because he was just so wild. He couldn't mm-hmm. sit for the service. And we just felt like this major distraction. Well, the children's pastor tore a strip off of me the, mm-hmm. in staff meeting the next, uh, you know, couple of days later. You know, you know that's not the right age of kid that's supposed to be in the nursery. And like, what if we had toddlers and babies in the nursery? Like, we had so few babies and toddlers in the congregation. Like, it's not like there were kids in there. Like, it was yeah, kind of yeah. it was yeah. kind of an, it was empty, except for my friend and her baby who who knew me. And like, you know, the parents should be responsible in that situation. And I'm saying, <laughs> like, okay, hold on, hold on. Like, did you realize that the parents not there? There is not a parent to take responsibility. Like in that moment, we as a church needed to step up mm-hmm. and be family yeah. for yeah. these kids and figure out how to embrace them. But it was so disruptive uh, to in their minds that it was, it, I just really felt like, well, I'm never doing that again. Mm. And what's kind of devastating in retrospect is I had to message that mom and say, please don't do that again. Oh, that's like, heartbreaking. Don't, yeah. don't bring your kids to church. They're not welcome here. Oh, man. And I just feel sick about that, actually. Just like, that is so gross. Like, that to me is like so not what the gospel is supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, at some point I just realized, like, I really wanted to work with that congregation. There was there was quite a few lovely old saints, you know, really warm-hearted people. But there was just a couple people that just couldn't get unstuck. Like, they just couldn't handle it, and they're pushing back harder and harder against the kind of messiness that my ministry was bringing in. I realized, whew, I really thought I could bridge this gap. I thought I could work with these people, these warm old saints, to enfold the kinds of kids who are drawn into my ministry. And then I just hit the realization, actually, I'm getting wrecked here. This is is hurting me. Like, this has really been so hard. And um, I just have to wrap it up and pull away for my own... Uh, well-being and uh, like I would say almost lost the thread like Mm -hmm. pulled away said to my denomination I'm having a sabbatical which is really like I'm just like wrecked here I just can't I don't want to talk to anybody I don't want to see any emails from you I'm not coming back to a church building like please I need no expectations at all so I just took a rest and um what was lovely was there was a couple of leaders uh, in that denomination who knew me, and they all all through those last years as a youth pastor, they were saying like, "You really have good gifts for the church. We really want to see you do something. Why don't you step out and try something out of the box? Like, why don't we call you a church planter and let's let's get you doing something new and get you going?" And even though I was like so ready to just like be like, 
okay, maybe that's it. Like I've been trying, okay, I've been trying for 40 years, Tristan, I've been trying to make it work Mm -hmm. with the church and maybe I'm done. Yeah. And those uh, lovely men uh, just kept emailing me or picking up the phone and say, how are you doing? You know, yeah, what do you yeah. need? How can I help? And, um, and the clouds are a big part actually of, of my healing as well. Um, cause layered on top of those pastoral years, we'd started to do these, um, soup potlucks with our friend group mm-hmm. and the McLeods and just again, developing this, like this table culture where it's nice. like, it's warm and messy and there's kids running around. And again, like there's young adults from my youth ministry now coming to these, these, uh, we call them friend soup uh, <laughs> times, you know, and they're just like on the fringes, just loving it, loving the free food, loving all the people around, loving seeing kids. And um, I felt at the time that the McLeods uh, needed me to minister to them. And I really think now, like, I don't know if they know this, but like the reverse was true. Mm-hmm. Like I needed someone to say to me, you really have something valuable to give. Like, why don't you, why don't we do that with you? Let's do that together. That um, just really touched me deeply. And I guess I would have to say that's the church in action, really. Mm-hmm. Like, even though I was real close to giving up on the church, um, the church, which is like Jesus living body, actual people, mm-hmm. they didn't give up on me. They kept ringing the bell and knocking on the door. So I'm just so grateful for that because uh, it turns out I love the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. would have thought it. Like that story you just, like, what you just said reminded me of a, of a quote I wrote down from your sermon. You said, it's everyone's job to build up the church in unity and oneness with Christ. It's the body's job to build itself up in maturity. Like, we need to do this together. And yeah. from what you just said, it's just like a beautiful picture of how you and the McLeods just circled around each other mm. and, and yeah. build that unity, build that maturity, grew that group to, to where it is now and that's awesome, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know, like... It's a beautiful picture of what, yeah. what church is, though, right? I mean, it's a beautiful picture. Yeah. yeah. We still, so we, we met um, with the McLeods and sort, of, and sort of started this thing. We started to call it the table and opened it up to friends. And, um, and I've st- it's a, we, I think I would be comfortable saying it's, it's a home group now. It's yeah. not... It's not it's not really a Bible study, so yeah, yeah. I feel like small group's not a good label for it, but uh, we, we gather for a meal every other week, and uh, we break bread and drink wine to remember Jesus' um, life and death, and I always have a story for the kids, and singing varies. Right now, we just have one song that we sing in prayer when we get to gather in person, which we don't right now, and... <laughs> What the funny thing, so in the last year, what I started to notice was, hey, everybody at the table is from MJAC. Hmm. Like, literally everybody except for the young adults that are left over from my ministry. And um, we just found, Logan and I just found ourselves gradually drawn closer and closer into the MJAC community. And I've watched what you guys have been doing since Tim started talking about the hub. I can remember being at pastor Hmm. meetings with him when I was still a youth pastor. And I'm listening to what he's talking about, and I was like, now that's different. What's, mm-hmm. Something's happening there. Mm-hmm. What is going mm-hmm. on? Um, and so it's real intriguing to me to be able to trace back years and years, actually, of me just watching what's happening at MJAC and now finding myself kind of drawn in. I feel like the Spirit's just like drawn me, and he's like, okay, <laughs> it's time, and you're, what, well, you're what's needed. You're part of what's needed in this time. And 
it's been it's been mm-hmm. really cool, really fun. Yeah. yeah. I know it's been really cool for me personally to watch and listen to your story, especially with the table group, especially with your home group and the McLeods, because in my life, I feel like the times I've had deepest conversations are when I have guys like Trevor and then people like Carly and other friends from Briarcrest in our little tiny living room in our apartment and where we're just having... <laughs> Tacos for Thanksgiving instead of turkey. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Just like hanging so out and talking. Like, I don't know what you think, Carly, but that's kind of where my heart is when I see the true love for the church. So, like, what do I you mean, do? those things are so life giving for me, right? Like, I, you know, and I think for me in the past, you know, year, year and a half where I'm Jack has been, it's been a tough place for me to be. I've so valued that those connections and now now that I think about it they're still MJAG people right like yeah. Trevor and Tristan yeah. and Corey and right like those those relationships you know Janice and Jenna like that that um you know even in the hurts of you know everything in the past year and a half y- you still have those relationships where uh people still like challenge you and talk about life with you and you know you can kind of still figure out like grapple with faith and you know the whole messy faith adventure thing is still being lived out it just looked differently for me in the past year and a half it mm-hmm. looked you know it looked like you know those those you know tacos on thanksgiving and yeah. you know conversations in the backyard around a barbecue or right still doing life together still being the church um probably in ways that i just you know i didn't associate with the church but mm-hmm. they were right they they were the church yeah. doing life together uh, in really intentional beautiful ways mm-hmm. really healing ways right i mean yeah like for me, one of the things I've been not really struggling with, but trying to figure out is taking your experience, Rachel, and you, Carly, and what we've seen, how we've grown from that, mm-hmm. and this community that we have. We love it now, and we cherish it so much more now because we can't actually meet yeah. in person. What happens when we can? Like, like where do we go? Man, with? I'm like, going to hug every single one of our youth so quickly. Like, I'm... That's, <laughs> Number one, let's create a line and Carly's going to hug anyone who wants a hug. That's the first thing we're going to do. Fine, okay, okay. I have a boot line. Uh-huh. You know, I love, Trevor said it, I, was it one of the podcasts? Uh, man, we're going to party, right? We're going we're gonna to worship so hard. We're gonna, I'm so sick of like, you know, mumbling along to the lyrics in my garden of like, who's going to hear? I got a new roommate. It's like, is she, if I sing along, is she going to hear me? So, I'm gonna, you know, I can't wait till we're together and we just like sing it out till mm-hmm. we... You know, the excitement, even like when we see people like together in this place, the excitement, right? Yeah. Man. What do you think? Well, I've been wondering whether this, this time of crisis is going gonna, is gonna to have people looking to, for, to the church for, some, for spiritual guidance. Hmm. I've been wondering if, if neighbors might come in our doors. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they will. Like in, in Canada, we're a different in, cu- cultural context than the U.S. There's, I feel like there's very little trust for churches and institution. Um, but I kind of hope they do. Or maybe it'll just be like our own personal neighbors. Yeah. Like we might not get strangers off the street, but we might get, you know, such and such a neighbor who just kind of watched us on Facebook, stalked us on Facebook during the pandemic. Yeah. And it's and yeah. like mm. now maybe ready to edge a little closer into Christian community. Yeah. So the question that I'm kind of holding in my heart is, are there things that we need to do to prepare to receive those people mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning in particular? Yeah. Are there things that we need to do to 
to be ready to be hospitable for people who have no idea what's going on here. Yeah. They don't know the names of any of the people on stage. They don't know the words to the songs. Uh, their kids can't sit still for a 40-minute sermon. They've never read the Bible before. Like, what is it? What does it look like to so enfold those people, Carly, in the way that you experienced mm-hmm. where the warmth that they encounter from people in the foyer and in the sanctuary, that even though there's a huge learning curve of like, how do I even participate in this thing, that they would be willing to come back and learn that with us. Yeah. So I've been wondering, I've been holding that in my heart. And I guess I'm also, if I have to be honest, I'm praying for that. I, mm-hmm. um, I want us to be disturbed by new people coming mm-hmm. who've never been in a church before and never had their hearts softened yeah. to the idea that maybe there's a God that loves them and is looking out for them. Um, yeah. For me, mm-hmm. I really just love everything you both have just said. But one of the things I've been thinking of is like, how do we take what you experience, or what you're experiencing now, and the great joy you experience, Carly, as well, and bring that in on a Sunday morning. Mm. Yeah. How do we have that feeling of, oh, this is a family mm. that strangers feel? Because yeah. with your roommates in school, Carly, that's what you felt. With yeah. your friend growing up, that's what she felt. Like, family. Like, this is what the church is about. So, it's taking all this. I'm like, how do I prepare myself to do this when we can gather again? Like, what needs to change in my heart that I'm like, all right, this person isn't just a stranger this person is also a child of god who is my brother or sister even though they're new here how can we welcome them in well like church is like weird and it's foreign and people are gonna come in and be like like what when do i do what and mm-hmm. and you need to, to be almost so radically welcoming that people are okay to like not know the words mm-hmm. that people are so what does it mean for us to be you're right like even like how do we prepare our hearts well so that when people walk in our doors, they feel so radically welcome here mm-hmm. that it's okay that things are awkward and they don't know what to do because, hey, like, we're all in it together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm coming back to the thing that you said, Carly, that authenticity is hospitality. Mm-hmm. I think it, authenticity is real hard for us on a Sunday morning. Mm. Like the medium of Sunday morning almost works against it. Yeah. Because what we would rather do is produce something that's clean. Yeah. And easy to consume. And uh be- yeah. So what does that look like? And I wish we had a mic on Trevor right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did our talk- core value though is like living out this messy faith adventure. What does that look like on a Sunday? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, how does that express itself through the form that we use? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to keep talking about this. Yeah, for sure. Because I know, like, just kind of edging towards wrapping it up or whatever, one of the big things I took away from your message this Sunday was your illustration of the daisies. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. when you held them up, I'm like, yeah. there's no way those are the same. There's no way that's a daisy. Because what I'm thinking of a daisy was the, the fake one, right? Yeah. But then you said the other one is also a daisy. And we shouldn't be so caught up about the flower yet because there is the roots in the flower, in the plant, and it's growing. And if we keep growing and spreading out in this soil, we will develop fruit, I mean, a flower at some point. I just feel like that was so big in thinking that people see the church as that fake daisy. Mm -hmm. Yes. And when they look at the other one, they're like, oh, that can't be it, but that is it. 
mm. and we're growing. It's alive. Yeah. And we're getting there. Mm. And I think in this season we're growing and we're getting there. Yes. Well, it's almost like we've we've had to strip away anything that's not actually giving us life. And so we're just we're cultivating what are the practices that are still life-giving for us. And also we're noticing like a hunger. What are the life-giving practices that we really miss because yeah, they actually yeah. gave us life? Mm-hmm. And gathering in person is one of those things. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, one minute, two minutes, Carly, you have any closing remarks? Anything? I miss people. Like I miss the church. <laughs> like, it's a place of just going. Like I'm so actually. Like I'm so thankful though, right? Like yeah. you know, I've I've not done a great job. Uh, you know, it's day. What did I say? It was day forty nine. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I think days one through forty six, I was pretty negative about COVID, and I'm trying to kind of grapple with what are some things I'm positive, like I'm, I'm thankful for, and all the things I've been probably most bitter about are the things I'm most thankful for on the other end. So. I'm really, like, I've really struggled with not being in church so much so that I can't listen to the live stream at the right time because it's just, I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Uh, and there's grief there. Um, but then it also, I, I've, it's made me realize how much I've, I've appreciated and loved the church. And mm-hmm. so um, I think those are things that have become encouraging to me in all of this, right? So, nice. Yeah. Well, this has been great. And I thank you, Rachel and Carly, for yeah. sharing. Thanks for making sure everything sounds perfect, Trevor. Um, next week, for all our listeners out there, we will have Rachel back in the host seat. And um, any special guests next week? Or? Heck yeah. Um, so we're going to have uh, Melissa Verhan join us. Nice. Um, she's a counselor here with the Family Hope Counseling Agency that, that uses this church building as their, their location. Um, and she also is Brad Verhan's wife, of course, and the mother of those three beautiful Verhan girls. Four, four beautiful. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I haven't seen you in so long, I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so she's going to join. Uh, of course, it's Ruth Ann up to preach this Sunday, and yep. I chatted with her already. We're going to... Uh, we're going to do, uh, in the front end, we're going to have a little conversation about how do you care for your mental health during mm-hmm. a pandemic nice. or just times of anxiety. Yeah. And so we'll have Ruthann and Melissa in on that conversation. Um, I'm hoping we're going to have one of our middle schoolers with us as well. I just need to get permission from her parents. So okay. I can't uh, roll that out publicly quite yet. Um, and then the second half of the conversation will be uh, Melissa and Ruthann and I talking about that sermon. And uh, it's quite possible that one of the beards will join us for that <laughs> conversation as well. Nice. Yeah, so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, there you have it, listeners. And we will be back again next week, Wednesday. But before we close, I'm going to pray and just ask God's blessing for the rest of the week and for you as you listen to this. Um, there, Heavenly Father, we just thank you and just thank you for the opportunity we just had to be very vulnerable and open about church and and what it looks like in our journey through that process god and i thank you for giving us this space right now that we can meet and talk about these topics that sometimes we usually do take for granted and i just thank you for for blessing our conversation i thank you for those that will be listening to this later this week that you will touch their hearts in whatever way you need to continue to bless M. Jack and bless all the listeners and everyone out there. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.